We're going to read from uh, the Bible uh, together. Uh, It's going to be on the screen, um, but please do follow in the scripture on the device or paper. We're people of the word. We love the scriptures and uh, really privileged to have them. So chapter 3 of Matthew, the whole of the chapter. came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair, And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Super. And we pray, Jesus, that through this text, that you would um, you'd hold our interest because you're fascinating. You'd help us to join the dots because you're relevant. You'd let us 
experience the power of these words because they go deep and are the words of life. And you'd help us reform our thinking because this is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, uh, it depends on perspective. This is either good news or bad news. Uh, if you're half full or half empty. This is the last of our hard sayings of Jesus uh, in, uh, series. <laughs> no, that's a bit mean. Uh, we have been uh, following uh, since the summer uh, a little series that we've been called, calling the hard sayings of Jesus that uh, we have been looking at and through uh, particularly the Gospels of Things that Jesus says, uh, maybe just a few words or a couple of sentences, a couple of verses, uh, that you can read and read and read, but when you stop and think about them, they, they can be quite challenging, the hard sayings of Jesus. And know that um, it's been appreciated, uh, know that uh, they have sometimes been stretching, and, and we, Philip and I uh, particularly, and others who've joined in this series, have really enjoyed um, the challenge of of sharing the things that are called hard sayings of Jesus. Way back in the summer when, when I kind of um, launched the series and, and introduced it, I said the thing about the hard sayings of Jesus is they, they, they disturb us out of, of our kind of comfort zone. They, they challenge us to recognize that we aren't kind of like, yeah, we know all about Jesus, that, that actually there is more to learn, there is more to grasp, there is more to understand, there is more of our thinking to be conformed into the pattern of the things of the kingdom. Because the ways of Jesus aren't our ways. That whenever Jesus came and taught, he actually brought controversy. He brought challenge. He brought to people who heard him a kind of vigorous excitement of, wow, yes, this is how it should be. Not just by what he said, but by all that he did to, to match up and comfort, uh, to, 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 to kind of um, uh, uh, demonstrate the truth of his word. But with that comes challenge. With that comes the, 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 where the rubber hits the road, where the, the leading edge happens in our life to say that that which our world demonstrates, that which our world teaches, that which we imbibe by growing up in our 21st century culture in 2020 is not always the things of God, always the things of Jesus. In fact, there's often a great difficulty. So when the Gospels and we read the hard sayings of Jesus, there is sometimes this kind of, gosh, that's uncomfortable. There is sometimes, gosh, this is, is, is calling us to a way of life, a radical discipleship that is counterculture, goes against the grain of the universe, is, is different to even how our parents or children may want us to live. That there should kind of be a normal uh, kind of, without being odd about it, but gosh, you're so embarrassing, parents uh, of children, because you're living differently. My mates and my family's friends don't do it like we do. But actually, it's the things and the ways of Jesus. And we want to promote that and encourage that, not to be for us to be kind of weird and awkward for the sake of it, but actually to be like, characterized by the likeness of Jesus. And the hard sayings sometimes penetrate the religious veneer that says what we think religious life may be life. It's like it's Jesus' life. 
That's not to say that next week we're going on to easy stuff and we can sit back and relax. This is onwards. This is the journey of discipleship. I won't uh, spoil the surprise of what our next series will be. Come next week and find out. But it will be from the Bible and it will be about Jesus. But it will be really helpful and uh, instructive and uh, will help us grow as a family of God from the teaching of scriptures. You're all wondering now, aren't you? What's it going to be? I pray that the hard sayings of Jesus have challenged the status quo and reminded that you don't know it all, that we come back to Jesus humbly, openly, to sit at his feet and say, Teacher, Lord, have your way in us. We need to learn. And so in kind of wrapping up this series, you, you may have wondered, as, we've, as I read through John chapter, um, Matthew chapter 3, what's the hard saying? Well, there's a, a, a few things in there that um, I always kind of find, find a little bit of, uh, of, of a challenge uh, with John the Baptist. But it's kind of actually John's words, but Jesus uh, picks them, them up uh, in his ministry. John says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That as I've uh, read the Gospels and, and dwelt upon them, I kind of come back again and again to the fact that Jesus is remarkably challenging. He is exceptionally gracious. He is entirely loving. But his word causes us to come to a choice. The word that, that gets repeated in, in John the Baptist again and again, and, and even on the very first message that Jesus brings recorded in Mark, repent and believe. That the, that the call of God upon us is, is not only that first repentance, that first decision to become a follower of Jesus, but to continually be reforming, to be uh, reassessing our thinking, our response to the good news. Repent and believe the good news. For John, it meant calling uh, from the wilderness to people. Come, come and, and be baptized in the River Jordan. Come because God is about to do a new thing. John the Baptist, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the, the greatest of, uh, of the line of, uh, of, of God's servants who are saying, prepare, get ready. God has long promised and is about to burst upon the scene. Isaiah 40 said, to make straight this, this highway to the Lord, you will meet God himself. And everyone, because of the silence, the prophetic silence of so many years, was waiting. When will it be? When will it be? Lord, let it be this year. And John arrives, curious John in his camel hair fashion and his more than strict vegan diet. I don't know if locusts are vegan, but anyway, uh, honey was. Is it? I don't know, but it was a curious diet. Sorry? 
I know it's honey. I know you're getting just off the track, sidetracked on that one. Please inform me later. Uh, and said, repent. Repent. In other words, as they waited for what God was doing, there was this, this call to come out, this call to shift from the status of the quo, this call to say that life in its normal routine has to change. To be ready, to be open, to embrace, to welcome the things of God. 180 degree thinking, saying, yes, Lord, you come first. Being prepared. John the Baptist was preparing and speaking into the cultural context and arrived with his preaching sounding louder than the bong of Big Ben in the quietness. Echoes of Isaiah 40, the end of the exile, the renewal of all things as God fulfilled his promises. But John's message made them sit up and notice. And the call to get ready to repent, to say whatever needs to change, I'm up for it. One of my abiding memories of uh, childhood, there's many, but one of those uh, that kind of still uh, sits with me from time to time is, uh, I don't know if it was the same for you, when you kind of live your life and there's, there's uh, this house with clutter and there's this stuff, isn't there? And, and things get left out and um, unless you're really, really neat and tidy, um, credit to you if that's since when guests arrive. Or you've got guests coming. It's kind of like action stations, isn't it? And I remember, particularly over Christmas, we'd have kind of guests coming, family and, and those special events. And, and it became like, rather than it being a fun time, it was like, oh, no, mum's on the warpath. It was like the hoover was out and we had a chore list the length of our arm. And it was like, oh, do we really have to tidy up, put it away, hoover up, dust, kind of get the house just so to make it ready. Never did like guests coming over Christmas. But John the Baptist was so much, message was so much more to make ready, to make ready for the Lord is coming. But Don, John the Baptist isn't just someone who was a, a feature of history and we've moved on. But there's that role in each of us to prepare the way personally in our heart. In 2020, as we were at Fresh Dreams this week, there's that sense of God is, is doing something fresh. The theme of the conference was courage. Courage in the gospel. Courage in our Father, in the, the work of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. Courage to keep on doing the, the, the radical things across our nation. But also to take a fresh step of faith. Courage. To believe that God hasn't finished. To prepare and be ready. To clean house. And say, what would you want to do this year through us, Lord? 
in 2020. It was so encouraging last year as we held mission and, and uh, time of, of prayer in seeking the Lord as, as we ran our 50th and 51st Alpha course. That was right, wasn't it? Got the 52nd soon. Have we, as we held special events and, and opportunities, it was great to have Jeff Lucas with us, speaking into the life of the fellowship, of enabling us to take the next step, ready for this year of what the Lord would want. I know Sally is, has been talking with us about what the Lord is stirring in us and, and together in, in the worshipping life of the church. And that's so critical as we come together, that we come and we, we, we worship in spirit and truth with hearts that are saying, thank you, Lord, trusting in him. And make it a priority to, to gather together in worship. I love it when people tell me of how they've visited the church and, and people have, have kind of welcomed and greeted and, and remembered a name and, and, uh, and helped in a time of need. Brilliant. What's the Lord going to do this year? First and foremost, that reminder to keep on having our hearts prepared. Just as God broke in fresh 2,000 years ago. As John's message reminded them of what God was doing right through their history, that he had not stopped. That as John stood in the Jordan rivers, that very river where God's people had crossed into the promised land, that echo of that amazing rescue, that amazing provision and the fulfillment of the covenant promises of God. When the waters parted and they entered into the promised land, they were able to see John standing in the river, recognizing the great con- conquest, the great victory, the great promise of God unfolding. And John reminded them to repent and be ready. And into the midst, Jesus comes and, and uh, he is baptized. Under John's baptism. Brilliant. We are a Baptist church. Not, it's not one of the things that we have relearned over the years. Is the importance of this. Repent and believe. Repent and be baptized. Because it signifies entering into all the fulfillment of God's purposes. Of saying yes to him. Of being ready. Of saying you come first. Of your ways Jesus are first and foremost for us. It's not to fulfill kind of like how many have we had baptized this year. That's not what it's about. It's this wonderful declaration that Jesus himself did to say. I will honor the father's will. And I will walk through the waters of baptism. As a declaration that I am yours Lord. Hundreds of people flocked to John and were baptized. I just lay it out there again for us to say, if you've not been baptized as a believer, come on. Come on. 2020. And so this, this hard saying, he baptizes with spirit and fire. Why is it a hard statement? 
Well, along with it, it's the picture of John, the, the Baptist, he uses to describe this, this grain and, and chaff piled up on the th- technology with, with machines. We don't see it very often. Google it or YouTube it or, 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 or you, maybe you've, you've read about it, seen it. It's, it's, you see, I once saw it in India. They were threshing. And there's this big pile of the, of the harvest. I mean, it, it probably shows, shows, shows my ignorance that it astonished me. But there was, you know, this, this Indian guy who was picking this with his winnowing fork and tossing it in the air. And the wind was blowing. And it does what it says on the tin. The grain that is heavy falls down. And the chaff, which is light, gets blown away. It's really simple. But it works. That the grain is gathered and the chaff, which is not the harvest, not the point of the crops, not the point of the farmer's effort, of the good seed sown, is gathered. See, the challenge says the mixture of grain and chaff is separated and that the chaff is burned. That's hard. That's hard because in all of these things about the hard sayings of Jesus, this reminder of the uniqueness of the gospel. It's this challenge again and again in our culture to say the gospel is the way, the truth, and the life. Our decision about it, repent and believe, matters. That our society, I was talking with the youth, Tim, Tim led a, a great session on Friday with the youth about them being sent their, uh, to their friends and family and the world. And the question we were kind of posing is, why does it matter? And I know you know this, I know we're committed to this, but it matters because Jesus is the Lord and Saviour. He is the only rescuer, the redeemer, the only one who has died upon the cross. He is the only name of salvation by which we may be saved. There is power in Jesus. And I think part of the challenge for for me is to keep on trusting in that powerful name. And to keep on being prompted by the uncomfortable reality that unless people embrace Jesus, there is judgment there's a separation part of me would wish it wasn't true part of me would wish like like christians throughout the ages have said you know why you know god loves us he does god doesn't want anyone to be lost absolutely but jesus matters Personal response to him matters. William Carey and a bunch of other people 200 and something years ago, there was a whole move to say, we don't need to go to the nations anymore. We don't need to engage in in this kind of thing because what's the point? And they wrote pamphlets and preached and said, the point is that unless people hear, how can they be saved? Paul speaks it in Romans. How can people believe if they're not heard? That as John stood in the river, he preached and called people to repent. They heard the message. The hard saying for me and for our young people on on Friday is, is how to keep on saying, to keep on declaring, not in an obtuse, 
ugly manner, but to keep on holding out the offer of life because of the uniqueness of Jesus. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Lots of people wonder what that means. I mean, the Holy Spirit we get, I think. In John's gospel, he doesn't use and fire at Jesus' baptism when John speaks. He just talks about how Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Luke and Matthew carry this little addition. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I've kind of been wondering and, and wrestling a little bit about that. Does it mean fire of judgment? Does it mean kind of like it, it says on the thing that it will be burnt up, that it's kind of like a harsh thing, a destructive thing? I don't think so. I think what it means is that, that as, you, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's a kind of wordplay going on. That when, when we hear about the word Holy Spirit, that in the original languages, there's a, there's a nuance, a wordplay that often goes on in, in that kind of, uh, that the, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God. You know that, don't you? In Hebrew and Greek, that's carried, that, that the, the Holy Spirit is like the, the, uh, the, the breath of God, the power of God, the, the wind of God. So I think, as I've been reflecting on this thing, what does that mean for me? I've been encouraged to take hold of this, that when John the Baptist says, I baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, there's this, there's this sense that it, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, and the fire of God is actually another representation of, of, of the Holy Spirit. In the, uh, the bush that wouldn't burn up, the bush was on fire, but it was a, a supernatural occurrence. Uh, as Elijah was on the mountain, he saw the fire of God. That, that um, uh, At Pentecost, when the disciples had gathered, what happened? The Holy Spirit fell, and there was the sound of rushing wind, and tongues of fire were on them. I think what Matthew and Luke are underlining and emphasizing is that in this repentance and belief, it's actually to say we need the fullness of God by his spirit. In order to be the people of God, in order to, to serve him this day and the coming year, in order as we pray uh, week by week for the manifestation of the kingdom, the outpouring for people to repent and believe, we need, again, to be reminded it's in his spirit. Amen? We need him. By the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, and his empowering presence, the fire that motivates us, that, that compels us to be baptized afresh with that. To eagerly desire more of that. The promises of God through the Spirit. That the Matthew and Luke 
work this out and say, how does Jesus serve? How does Jesus walk humbly? How does Jesus um, bring the kingdom through the power of the Spirit as obedience to the Father? No other way. As Jesus comes up out of the water, there's this wonderful kind of moment as, as the heavens are torn and the, the Spirit descends like a, a, a dove. I think this just undermines for, uh, underlines for us the nature of the kingdom. That the dove symbolizes the bringing of peace, not war. As the Holy Spirit descends that affirmation and declaration that this is the new age, the new era of being God's people. That as Jesus heralds this in, at the heart of what we're about, they receive God's spirit, God's wind, the breath of God upon Jesus, declaring him to be God's son, the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament spoke of. And in that moment of baptism, where John has declared, this one, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, not even to do the most menial of tasks, yet Jesus comes amongst us. and Opens the way and the road to life. And the story gets worked through in the Gospels, and we see the wonderful fulfillment of all that he did as he died upon the cross and rose again at Pentecost. He sent that promised spirit to baptize the church, to be the people we're gathered to pray. Tongues of fire and the wind rushing. And the world has changed forever. Let's pray.